0: Get your Bibles, head over to James chapter 4 this morning. As you do, I just, any of you have any summer plans this year? You're going on vacation, maybe a work trip, you're going to do a little home improvement, build something, tear something out, Uh, maybe get back to your New Year's resolution, something of that nature? I mean, are you awake? Yes, you do, you don't? You can just shout it out, move your head, I don't know, yeah? Yeah, okay, thank you, Yeah. The, uh, anyway, um, let me ask you this: Did you have any plans in the spring or the summer of 2020? Any of those? Yeah, how'd those turn out? Good time, right? Uh, Proverbs 19:21. Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Uh, right? We experienced vacations canceled. You couldn't go to the office or to school. Uh, to, to most stores. Uh, the effects of COVID on our plans uh, was just an absolute shock to our system for most of us, and, you know, how could suddenly all these things be canceled? As, as Christians, we, we know and we affirm this phrase, right, God willing, God willing, God willing, we know it, but, but sometimes we actually live like, like practical atheists. Sometimes we live out a similar sounding but polar opposite phrase, right, me willing, let my will be done, that meant mindset. Whatever I plan should come to be, because really, I'm in charge of my life. That's the way we function. After all, I, I can actually change the weather, not in this room, apparently, but in my own house, I can set it at lower 70s, right? And all year long, it feels like California. I, I could actually plan right now to be in Barcelona this time tomorrow. And if I could, you know, buy an expensive enough plane ticket, be there, actually make it happen. So much is actually under our control that I think 2020 just absolutely left us stunned. Because deep down, you you and I have actually uh, believed this lie. We would reject it if asked about it, but we functionally believe this lie that I am overwhelmingly sovereign over my life. I plan things, I do things, and that's just the way it does. Um, so that's what we're coming into is this idea here. We're going to explore that in James's passage here. Uh, and last week, if you remember, James was showing us how to use our speech, how to talk about others and, you know, to others in a humble manner. This week, the idea of humility is still there. Don't disconnect us from last week. That, that's been the whole kind of th- uh, theme that's working through chapter 4 here. Only now we're learning about how to be humble with our calendars. How we can be humble with our, our day planners or our, our to-do list, right? Or Zach Bashir's your scratches of paper that you use to organize your life. How we can be humble in regards to those things. Now, let's, let's read this passage. Uh, James chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. And we're going to go to the end of the chapter here. And he says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. To whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. The grass withers, the flower fades. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage that has potential to awaken us from thoughtlessly walking through life. Please illuminate our minds this morning. Please soften our hearts this morning to receive your word and to be formed according to your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So he begins, come now, you who say, right? Well, who is he talking about? Who are the people that are you who say, well, these are, uh, you know, in, in, in James' is here, right, it's, it's most likely the wealthier merchants who are members of the church that he's writing to. And I, I say that because this business plan that he actually addresses as an example, it, you know, the setting up shop in a town for a year and making profit, that's the sort of things that merchants did, right? The, the farmer wasn't doing it, it's the thing merchants did. Now... It'd be easy for us at this point to think, well, since I'm not a merchant and you're not a merchant, why don't we just skip this and we can go on to next week? You might regret that if you see what's next week. But, um, <clears throat> right, we can't skip this. We can't do that at all, right? The, the heart of the issue here that James is addressing is the issue at heart for every single one of us. And what is that issue? Well, let's, let's start with what it's not and what we might assume it is if we're not careful. James is not condemning making plans, I know some of you would love that. Like the Bible says, we don't make plans, so we don't make plans. Uh, that's not what he's doing here, right? The scripture is full of examples of planning uh, being made and plans being executed, right? When God told Noah to build the, the, the ark, it wasn't just like, I don't know, find some sticks, put them together. There, there's an actual plan here. Uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, telling him, you know, use gopher wood and it's going to be this long and this this wide and that sort of thing. Um, And and so he gets that. We we look at the Apostle Paul. He didn't just wander around, right? He he actually planned these missionary journeys to make sure they had a place on a boat and where they're going and where they're going to be and who they're talking to in order that the gospel can be preached to those who have never heard of it before. You think back to uh, Proverbs 31, the excellent wife there, right? Uh, She's a woman who has a great business sense. Right We're told in there she finds a good field and she buys that good field, and then she actually develops it into a, a, a vineyard, presumably profitable. right? She, she also is told in there that she creates merchandise and she sells it, she manages her household well, she gives to the needy. all those things can't be done without a great deal of planning, uh, long-term planning even, and, and she 's commended for it. In the book of Proverbs earlier, right we're told the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. There's plans being uh, encouraged. Um, and the opposite, right? This laziness and non-planning is often discouraged or, or condemned even in Scripture. Now, um, a, a little over 10 years ago, we, we, we even had to present the presbytery and our potential donors with the idea we're going to come out here and plant a church. It was just like, well, I don't know. We're going to go, that's that town out there. You know, we had to have a plan. Here's what our budget's going to look like. Here's what we expect to happen. Here's how we're going to actually meet people and God willing, you know, plant a church. Uh, and even had budgets and grass we'll show it to you on our our tenure thing we'll print a few of them out so you can see them not that you care but we'll show them to you anyway uh so and i i say this right so you understand right if if you're the love to make a five-year plan sort of person uh, or you're the like the i like to schedule my whole week even when i work out and when i'm going to meet with the lord and that sort of thing if that's you good for you making plans is not the issue but if making plans is not the issue here right um, we're, we're going to see what it is. As this passage unfolds, you're going to see that there is, what's, what's happening here is there's this prideful presumption in their planning, right? It's not humble, it's this prideful presumption. That they plan as though they are sovereign, as though God doesn't exist. Again, to use that word, right, practical atheism. It's when you don't confess it with your mouth, but you kind of live like you are. And, and, and if we're honest, right, that's very often how you and I make our plans, not on purpose, it's just how we do it. The, the, these plans, right, they, they aren't anti-God, they just don't consider God at all. Well, what's God's will for this situation here? I mean, how and in, in what way is this going to be glorifying to, to our Lord? How does success or profit here, how is that beneficial to what the Lord's called me to or to his own kingdom? And also this way of planning, it doesn't, it doesn't acknowledge the, the, the fragile, right, fragility of our lives. It doesn't acknowledge that you and I are absolutely dependent upon God because we sometimes don't realize it until we get to the situation where there's no other way to look at it in life. And this sinful way of relating to God is it's nothing new. Way back in, in Deuteronomy eight seventeen, re, listen to this. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. All right? He's telling them, beware. You, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gave you that power and that wealth and, and then in verse 14 here right speaks to to this fragile nature of our life we know that your life is fragile it's it's delicate isn't it I I, I saw a bumper sticker yesterday that said this um, and, it, and it caught my mind I don't know that I would have noticed this usually except for I'm here in James it said enjoy every moment because death is unexpected and that is a weird thing to put on your car But it was kind of of eye-opening. Like, oh, okay. That's better than a lot of the other things I've seen on cars. So James here says, he says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You have no clue. I I didn't wake up on September 11, 2001 and think, you know, today is the day. Things are going to change. I will never fly the same again. It's going to be a different world after this. You you didn't know COVID was going to shut everything down. No one, you know, we actually had just gone on vacation. We were in Houston when this thing happened. We wouldn't have gone if we knew this was going to happen. Uh, I I have this sweet neighbor who two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, feared that she had Parkinson's uh, disease and a few days later learned that she actually has an egg-sized brain tumor. Uh, Praise the Lord, it's been removed and she's healing wonderfully. But uh, these are the things you never think of, never cross your mind. And I'm sure that you have stories like that left and right that you could probably tell of of just in a blink of an eye, suddenly everything changes in a way you never imagined. We... we already know here, right, that James asked some of the most penetrating questions. We've, he has done all these things that just bring conviction to our hearts. It seems like week after week, and he's doing it again this week. He asked this question, what is your life? How, do you even know how to answer that? If a stranger on the street was just like, listen, Lewis, what is your life? Can you answer this? Oh, yeah. only here, James actually does the answer, doesn't he? Oh, that's easier. Uh, what is your life? Well, you are a missed That appears for a little time and then vanishes. It's a good start to an existential crisis, right there. You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Now, if you know what that means, you 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 think you ever been at a uh, on the shore of a lake, maybe a dock in the middle of the summer when it's you know that time of year, uh, and you look out early in the morning. You finally get up early enough to go out there, and there's just that mist floating over the water. It is so beautiful. And, and if you're like, I've been to the lake and never seen that, it's probably because you sleep in too late. And that's the point. That just dissipates. It is gone as soon as the sun kind of comes up and adds any heat, heat to the air. Um, so it's beautiful, but it's, it's gone. And, and you just carry on with your day and you don't even think about that mist anymore. Now, God is saying that your life is like that mist. That's, that's the quickness of it. Right? So let me ask you, as you sit here on this Lord's Day morning, have you forgotten what you are. And that is an easy thing to do because there are so many other fun things for us to do in the world. Have you forgotten what you are? You are a mist that is here for a little time and then life as you know it will vanish. And I know we're all, we're all like, let's bring out the stats here, but 77 is the average life expectancy for a man. If you're a woman, you get four more years on average. And that's true, and, and great, and that goes up, and we get excited about that. Well, that, that doesn't include the 106, million, uh, 106 Americans who died in a car accident just in those last 24 hours. And that doesn't even hold a candle, right? It's small potatoes compared to the reality that every 40 seconds, another, another American is dying of a heart attack. You see, you are a mist, and, and, and most of us are going to be quickly forgotten. All right? oh, we're getting dark now, aren't we? Um, let's Let's try this. Um, Actually first, uh, David Gibson said this, do do you believe that there are worse things in the world than dying? And he answers it this way, he says, worse than dying is living without realizing that I am going to die, not deeply accepting that I will leave this world and the world will barely remember I was even here. And now this is what I would like to try, just by, raise your hand if this is true, do you know the name of your great-great-grandfather? How many of you know his name? Okay, just a few of you. Um... And, and if you get that far, right, I mean, how many of you know anything? What did he do vocationally? What was his favorite food? Anything like that. I, I actually, have, of my four great-grandfathers, do I have four or eight? Where's my mathematician back here? Do I have four or eight grandparents? great-grandparents? Anyway, that's a word problem. That's not your, your stuff. Never mind. <coughs> the train's traveling east. Um, anyway, I know the name of one of them. Ironically, his name is James, which made it easy to remember for this. Um, He came over from Scotland. He came to play soccer but ended up working in a mine out in Ohio. And that's all I know about him. He died in 1974, right? Again with the math, but that's less than 50 years ago. And and the only thing I can tell you is his name and that he came to play soccer and he worked in a mine. That's it. Your your great-grandchildren probably will not know your name. Your great grandchildren, children, people that closely related to you probably will not know your name. And I know some of you are young, and, and this, when you hear old people talk like this, it's annoying, right? Because you just feel, uh, you know, immortal, right? Death is so far away, why I even think about it? I felt the same way when I was your age, uh, and I blinked, and now I'm old, and my body hurts. I get injuries just from sleeping at night. Uh, my hair is falling out. Like, it's not fun, but it comes really quick. And, and here's the thing, when I tell that to old people, they're like, oh, you don't know anything yet, right? Apparently, it doesn't get any better. Now, whatever your age, James wants you to wake up. He wants you to deeply know. He wants you to feel this reality that life is short. No matter how old you are, life is short, right? There, there is a potential chance that some of us in this room might not even live, live to see the year 2024, and you don't know, and I don't know. But, but, but why, right? This is the next question. Why does he want us to feel the fragile nature of our life? Because most of us don't want to feel that. Ever. And he wants us here. It's, it's because God created you, and he created you with a purpose. You, you are not meant just to make money. Making money is good. That is something God has given you to do. But yes, not all you're meant to do. You're not meant just to go places and do things and collect things and play with things. All good. Not saying they're bad. But but that's not where at, at the heart of what we exist for. And, and again, money, traveling, all good things. But as those who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, you and I were actually to live our life to do things differently than everyone else that's already doing those things. We, we are to travel to such and such a city. We are to trade. We are to make profit. Yes, but we're to do that all under the lordship of Jesus Christ. It should be different. We we are to do those things in God-honoring ways and for God-glorifying purposes. We we are to do those things in in a humble, true, humble submission to the Lord when we do it, knowing right that it's not just us who's doing this. In in other words, it's it's not about what is missing from these people's business plan at all. It's really about who is missing from their business plan, namely the Lord God. And, And so... Have a look then at James's correction in James 15. He says, he says this, right? It seems like an easy fix. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. Right? This phrase, the Lord wills, used to be a much more prominent thing. Um, uh, past generations used to write letters to one another. Uh, for you younger people, that's a lot like texting, but slower, and it's on paper, and there's no emojis. Um, but they'd write these letters back and forth, and, and often Christians would include this, this phrase, you know, God willing, God willing, because they're sharing their, their plans with people. Many of them would just write this DV, um, which I guess was a lot like our LOL today, but uh, just substituting a little abbreviation. The abbreviation is a Latin phrase, Dio uh, Valente, meaning God willing. Uh, and so you'll see that in old letters left and right. And in the South, they, they have this concept. They say it a little different, a little less sophisticated, uh, right? We'll see you on Tuesday for supper. If the creek don't rise, Um, and and that's not biblical language, but the idea's there. It's certainly there, right? We maybe we'll see you. We hope to. It's that God willing, we'll see you. Now, it's important that we don't we don't treat this phrase "God willing" or or what we see exactly in the text, right? If the Lord wills, if we we don't treat this like it's some magical words that we just say, right? You know, is it's if the Lord wills, not if the Lord wills, something like that. It's not some magical phrase. Uh, and, and it's important that we don't do that because these aren't magical words. We, we, we don't want to be like the kid that has been trained to say thank you when someone does or gives them something, right? But, but unwittingly that, that the same child sometimes actually never learns to be thankful, you right, just to say thank you. Now, it's, it's more about attitude here. It's more about the humility behind it and, 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 and at the heart of believing this, right, that we really mean this if the Lord wills and trusting the Lord with that okay if it doesn't. It's this acknowledgement, or he doesn't, it's this acknowledgement, the submission to God and his sovereign will, even in our planning. As J.I. Packer has said, we must never forget that we are not in control of our lives, but that all things are subject to the sovereign rule of God. Or more significant than J.I. Packer, right? Proverbs 69 states, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And so really, in in verse 15, though, do you notice there's actually two statements that share a beginning phrase, right? The first statement is, if the Lord wills, we will live. And the second statement is, if the Lord wills, we will do this or we will do that. And and so the first statement, we've kind of touched on quite a bit, actually. uh, It's that moment by moment acknowledgement of the fact um, that that I am alive in this moment, and if I'm alive in this moment, that, that that is the grace of God to me, that is a gift of God to me. That, that neither you nor I have a guarantee that we'll be alive even tomorrow. Uh, God knows, yes, but you don't know, I don't know. Uh, Proverbs, or, sorry, Psalm 139.16 confesses this idea. God, God, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet there was none of them. I mean, it's certain. God knows that it. it's no mystery, but you and I have no idea what that number is. So uh, again, the second statement in verse 15 is, if the Lord wills, we will do this or we will do that. James wants you to know that not only is, is your actual life in the hands of God, but your success and all of your endeavors are also in, in the hands of God as well. The, the Apostle Paul knew that his life and travels were in the sovereign hands of the Lord, and that's. That's why uh, when he boarded a, a ship to, to, to sail from away from the city of Ephesus in Acts 18, 21, and uh, again when he's writing to the Corinthian shir- church in 1 Corinthians 4, 19, in both instances he didn't say, goodbye, I'll be back, see you later guys. Uh, he says, only if the Lord wills will I return to you all again, will I come back again. Now there is, there is something incredibly humbling about putting into words and, and more significant, taking to heart the, the truth that all of my plans were are at the mercy of God, and we, we know that, we know that, right? Uh, last Sunday, Nicola wanted to have her baby. It's the seventh, she's done, and, and I jokingly told her, just, just will yourself to have this baby, Nicola, and I don't doubt that she tried to do that, and yet she's here with us today, right? If it were possible to will something, she would have actually accomplished that last week, um, but that's our life. And, and, and so what happens when we, we begin to speak this way, this Lord willing, God willing way, uh, and, and actually believe this way, when we consider God in the planning, we begin to view our jobs and we view our money and our resources and our free time and our business plans and our life endeavors, and we, we view it all in relation to God, not separate from God and what I want to do, but in relation to God. And that's so much more fulfilling than, I don't know, another night of binge watching something. Now now keep in mind, James is not using this phrase, God willing, only in regards to the contingency of our plans, but also in regards to the content of our plans. In in, in other words, the hours of my day are not mine to just spend however I want. You and I, we are stewards of the time that the Lord has gifted us. And so yeah, I'm going to play the new Zelda some, I'm going to watch a a movie, right? But what else am I going to spend these hours on? Well, things like loving my neighbor, things like praying for my fellow Christians, things, you know, you, you're a steward of these, these days that the Lord has given you. And so, yeah, start to plan. Do that. That's a good thing. Start a business. Expand a business. You know, plan to make money. And you can plan to make a lot of money, right? But do it in a way that is uniquely Christian. Yes, you know, other plans we make. Get your kids into sports and the arts. Help them to do academics. That's good. But as you do so, you've got to keep this priority on, on how things uh, fit into your larger plan of glorifying God, your larger plan of discipling these children, uh, uh, you know, to love God, to love God's people, the church, and so on. Now, now, Sam Albury pointed, pointedly asked this question. If our planning is no different to that of the world around us, what does that say about our faith in Christ? And that's a, a question you can, you can chew on for a bit, right? If, how is my planning any different than my neighbor's? Now, now in verse 16, James revisits the current practice of, a, uh, of not acknowledging God in their plans. Like, he's going back to what they're doing wrong. And James, he, well, he says this. He says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. <clears throat> uh, we, we should have seen this coming, right? James has been talking about humility, this whole chapter. Uh, it, but be honest. If you take that one line out of context, have a look back at it, right? Um, right? The, the, what they actually say at the beginning uh, that we're going to go into such and such... Today and tomorrow, we're going to go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. That doesn't sound like the most boasting of statements. Um, right? There's not a, a real big flex going on in those, those statements. But, but think about it, right? James is saying this way of planning, it's arrogant and boastful because... It presumes, one, you're going to live as long as you want. You have all the time in the world to do this. It also presumes, right, I, I can make a plan and execute it, and it's going to go exactly how I expect it to go. And it's, it's arrogant because it fails to acknowledge their utter dependence upon the Lord. How, how different, you remember, notice he says that, that, you know, this sort of boasting, right, 16. Um, all such boasting. There's almost that qualifier, all such boasting like this because, because the Apostle Paul also boasts in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, if I must boast, I will boast in the things that show my weakness. Right? Or in 1 Corinthians 4, 7 when Paul again says, uh, what do you have that you do not receive? If then you have received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? There's this, I don't need you, God, I've got this. It's almost the, 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 the two-year-old, right, that doesn't want any help from their parents. I can stick this block into the hole and then they don't. Um, you know, why, why, why do we act like success was always in our hands and, and, and really is, that's it. God's not involved. And, and so this brings us to our, our last verse which, verse, which feels like this isolated verse. Where does it fit in here? It says, so whatever, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him in his sin. Now, now he's not talking... He's not speaking his truth here. He, he's not saying you get to decide in your heart what's right and wrong and then just go forward with whatever you come up with. James's point here is that in, in this moment right now, the actual moment you are living in right now, God has good works for you to do. Right? Ephesians 2, uh, 8 and 9, we know real well, but verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. And, and so his point here is don't, don't waste this year, don't waste this week, don't, don't even waste this day, don't, don't, you, don't you dare find yourself in a position where you say, you know what, my schedule is too full to make time to do the right things that God has called me to do. I don't have time for those right things, God, I'm doing other things. And, and, and how, we, how do we not waste our unknown number of days in this life? Well, I mean, some of them are little. What, what are you doing right now to show gratitude for the gospel that you have believed? What are you doing right now to, to serve the, the Lord in your place of work, in your, your dorm, your house, wherever God has you? And, and, and did you know that your actual plans, how we, how we plan, if you are to look at what is we actually do, that, that, that speaks towards who we worship in a lot of ways. You can see what's important to someone by the way they plan their life. And, and you have to step back at some point and look, all right, let me see what I have planned in my life. Does this show that indeed it is the Lord? god almighty that i worship is that what someone who got my plans and looked at me like yeah this is a person who loves the lord or would they be just indistinguishable from your neighbor who doesn't and and to james's point let us never be so busy with our plans that we don't have time to do the things that are right and 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 so then i i want to give you three last things and we'll be done here um first be ever and always mindful that your life is short uh, some years ago, I was sitting in the backyard thinking about James' words here. Uh, I was preparing it for something else. But, uh, right, those words, you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And at the same time, Laura was, was walking around in the yard and she had one of those watering cans with a cute little handle and you pour it. You know what I'm talking about? And she'd sprinkle a little bit on this plant and then she'd walk over to this one and sprinkle a little on this plant. And, and as I'm watching this, I couldn't help but think that's a, that's a picture of our actual life. What a, what a picture of our actual life days. Uh, we only have so much time to, to pour out here or there and we're all walking around and we've got this partially empty can. We don't know how empty it is. Uh, and, and how much of my time do I really want to pour out on, on just the cement, right? Things that don't matter, things that don't actually grow that aren't nourished by that. Things, things like entertainment. And, and, and you will want some. Don't, don't feel shame for that. Don't be too hard on yourself. But, but at some point we must realize we, we can't change everything everywhere. Sometimes we dream too big. Let's change the whole world. You, you can't do that. Your life is not an endless flow of water from a hose. You, you, are, you are just one, one watering can worth, worth of nourishment in that way. No, but, but praise the Lord, for he has indeed given you this one life to pour out for his purposes in small but hugely significant ways. As you pour out these minutes and these hours and these days and these weeks on knowing and serving the Lord and on the nourishment of, of the people that God has, has placed in your yard, right, if you will, and including your actual neighbors, including the people that live in the house with you. And and so pray and think and ponder where you will pour out your life that you have been gifted. Uh, Second, do make plans. Scripture is very clear of the the benefit of that, but do it in a way that humbly submits all of life to the Lord and to the Lord's purposes. And, And that, that means that we truly know that we, we, we can do everything right? You can follow somebody else's idea, right, and do it all perfectly and still fail if the Lord does not grant success. Psalm 127, 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. The flip side of this is learning to confess that whatever you achieve through, you know, or through the gifts and skills and just whatever other things, right, that, that that's the Lord's favor, that's His gifting on you. Right? If you're intellectually brilliant, you didn't actually accomplish that. You know that, right? You, that, that brain of yours is the gift of God. You, you didn't create that. If you're, you're super athletic, well done. You might have worked hard to really hone that, but you know, do you, did you make your body that way, that it would respond to all that hard work that way? No, God did. You can throw anything you want in there, you're going to start to see the same thing. If you want to go deeper into this idea, though, ask yourself this question. Ask, how is the way I make plans for each day and for the next few years, different from how my unbelieving friends or coworkers make plans. See how you can answer that question. What, what does it actually look like? And, and the last thing is this. We cannot know what tomorrow will bring. Only God knows that. However, that didn't mean we don't know anything about the future. We can trust with absolute cer- certainty the promises of God for you and I. Namely that if your faith is in Jesus that then regardless of how many days that you and I, that you have left in this life, right? You, 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 because of that you also have an endless number of days to spend with God and other believers in the forever future. You can know that your sins are forgiven. Thrown into the depths of the ocean gone. We, we also know that that Jesus is coming back to reign in power and to resurrect your body and your soul to make all things right. You see, what that means is that one day you will not live in this world that is under the curse, right? One day we will live in a world where there is no more disease, no more death, in a world where you will no longer, your life will not be a mist in the life to come, right? That's something we look forward to. But, but for now, that is your life, you know, life is a amiss. And so every, I encourage you to live every breath of it well. Live it with godly purpose. Work with godly purpose. Rest with godly purpose, right? Live this life in humble submission to the Lord. And again, while you and I don't know what tomorrow will bring, we do know with certainty all that God has revealed to us in the scripture. Now let me just give you one last one when we're done. Lamentations 3.22. This we can know with certainty. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And that means tomorrow, if the Lord so wills for you, that you're going to wake up, you're going to inhale oxygen into your lungs, right, when your feet hit the ground tomorrow morning, remember that this day that is ahead of you, remember that this is indeed a mercy of God to you. Embrace that. Enjoy that. Let's pray. Jehovah Jireh, the the Lord, our provider, all that we have, we have received from your hand, and all that we can confidently hope in are your promises. Tomorrow is not one of those promises. Make us to know this in our bones and to live all of life before your face and for your purposes. Teach us to rest in all that you are for us, even when we face suffering. Teach us to enjoy every good gift that you give us with grateful hearts. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, let's stand, let's sing together. My heart is filled with thankfulness.